Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome back to the School of Laughs podcast. Rick Roberts here Today, I'm excited about our guest, Johnny W., who's joined us. You know him from a few previous podcasts. But Johnny is getting ready to do a live DVD recording, full one-hour show. We're going to talk about that and all the steps going into that, from the concept of let's do this to spotting out the venue and uh, raising money to do it and all those great things. Gavin's here as well. How are you doing, yes, Gavin? doing good. Gavin's got his own project called Babies <laughs> on the Way, and yeah. uh, I'm excited for you on that, too. Yeah. Uh, make sure you let me know when you guys register somewhere, my own and DVD I'll let special. the listeners know so they can get you stuff. But yeah, <laughs> and I've got a song on my new CD that you're going to love as soon as that baby's born. Oh, good. I'll have to play that. When, we'll do that, actually. When your baby's born, I'll play that play the, leading into the episode yeah. to announce it. Let's do it. And you guys can still vote on Gavin's baby's name. Yeah. <laughs> I saw one come to you the other day. It was gig and Giggles. Gig yeah. and Giggles. <laughs> yeah. A little gig. Gig Miller. Gig Miller. Hey, that, that could work. Be short. Hey, yeah. gig. Be the come first here. gig that any comic got in that house. <laughs> Sorry, Gavin. You'll get it. Hey. Oh, man. Well, as you guys, if you've been listening lately, we've finally got the Fix-A-Joke in the rotation, and yes. we're getting plenty of those coming in, so keep sending those. If you don't know what a Fix-A-Joke is, we're going to lay one out right now. This is from Steve Heil. Steve sent a joke that he's been doing for a little bit but wasn't happy with the results. Wanted to run it through the old Rick Roberts uh, filter and see if I had any ideas. And yeah. Gavin and Johnny are going to help out as well. So here is the joke. One thing that can make Disneyland better is to have traffic reports. Not to, not to Disneyland, but when you're inside Disneyland. Fantasyland is really congested today. It's going to take you at least 10 minutes to go from Small World to Castle. You might take the Matterhorn Bypass as an alternate. We have a major popcorn spill on Main Street. He's like, that's where I've kind of got it so far. I like the concept, but I'm not sure, you know, where I can take it. So, first thing I always do is look at the premise and make sure it's super clear. And so I just barely tweaked that to one thing that can make Disneyland better is to have traffic reports once you're inside the park. That way, it's one sentence, one thought. One thought, yeah. And people can jump on board with one thought. Mm-hmm. When you have a split premise. You know, it's one of the biggest mistakes new comics make is you're saying two or three things and the audience doesn't know where the joke's going to spin off of. Yeah. Which thought. Yeah. So get it down to one thought, which we did there. And then look at the different statements, each as their own little joke instead of kind of running them together. So Fantasyland is really congested today. It's going to take a, take you at least 10 minutes to go from It's a Small World to the Castle. It's a small world, but a lot of the people in it are pretty huge. Yeah. Whatever it's going to take you to get through that Something, and yeah. describe that it's going to take you longer than you thought. Uh, the Matterhorn Bypass is an alternate. To me, that didn't really do anything for me either way. You can keep that if you want. Uh, the Main Street one, due to the Disney Ice exhibit, we have a major popcorn spill on Main Street. Crews are on the scene and applying salt as fast as they can. Just being a little bit more specific about what caused the spill and what the spill is. Uh, everybody knows about Disney on ice. Yeah. So you can spin that off a few different ways. Uh, and there's an Amber Alert in the kingdom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Keep an eye out for Nemo. Last seen by the Pirates of the Caribbean and headed towards Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. 
So I'm not saying you have to keep those. I just want to give you examples of different specific things inside of Disneyland that people can remember and resonate with. Yeah. Because, you know, an average audience member, if there is such a thing, I mean, some of them may have just gotten back from Disneyland. Yeah. I haven't been there in 12 years, so. It's been a long time since I've been there. I mean, and I've been a few times, but I don't know any of that stuff. I mean, I know it's a small world. Right. And and as soon as you, somebody, well, as soon as you said Matterhorn, I was like, Okay, is that in there? And then when he said Fantasyland, I was like, "What's Fantasyland?" I was like, "Is that? I thought isn't Disneyland? Are, are we <laughs> talking about already? Disneyland?" Yeah. And right. Then, so that was the first thing I thought was like, take if you have two words that are sort of different but with the same ending, like it's a little confusing. So get rid of Fantasyland out of there. Just use Disneyland so it's super clear what you're talking about. Because, and then the only other thought that I had was maybe instead of talking about. Yes, traffic reports talk about the roads that they're happening on, but they talk more about what happened. Right. And so maybe go, uh, you know, I was just thinking, like, apparently Mickey's got his first DUI. He's, you know, crashed into a guardrail or something. There, there's some, or crashed into something, something. Like, more about the characters being, the characters that are there at Disney being, uh, out of the or something out of the ordinary happening for them, you know, something that would be funny there. Sure, I mean the characters are definitely more identifiable than, than the roads and things. Yeah, within. Yeah. What are you thinking, Johnny? Yeah, I was thinking like traffic. When I think of traffic, because I just actually did a, an event at uh, at Disney, uh, and they I, we got tickets to go to Hollywood Studios, which I've never been to Disney. I wasn't. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't grow up going to Disney, so we were inside one of the parks, and I was just like, we waited to ride one of the rides, a Toy Story ride, and it was. It was an hour and a half. Ooh. We were in line to ride this seven-minute thing oh, or whatever. Gosh. So to me, that's the traffic you could say, you know, like, oh, traffic's flowing smoothly at blah, 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 ride. And it'd be like, it's only, a, you know, an hour and 45 to get, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I like that a lot. Yeah. There, you know. yeah, the wait to get on whatever yeah. ride is down to an hour 45. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's flowing smooth or whatever, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I do like the, the idea of going a little bit dark, but it ends up being a cute misdirection with the, there's an amber alert, we're looking for Nemo or whatever. That's right. really funny. Because I didn't know where you were going. I was like, that's really you like that? for a bit. Oh, I yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think, you know, I think it's anybody that got lost, but almost every Disney movie Somebody gets lost in the beginning. Well, you could go, like, you know, you could talk about there's an accident with injuries, and you could go to you could go to like a if you wanted to go really obscure, you go with a Pollyanna reference, be like her legs, or we're praying that everything's <laughs> right. gonna work out. You know? Right. Uh, there's a there's a bottleneck over at Pinocchio. <laughs> Pinocchio's got a bot- bottleneck. Right. Uh, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of people getting lost in Disney movies. Like yeah. it's funny, it's clean, and you know everybody thinks this. There's nothing wrong with ever showing your kid a Disney movie at any yeah. age. Yeah. You know, a lot of them are. Here's a scary, evil person Super that dark. stole a kid, yeah. and now the parents who didn't like the kid has to go find the kid. Especially the early ones. Yeah, and then, then it just turns into fish doing the same thing, and you know yeah. they're running out of yeah. scenarios. Yeah. But yeah, I, that's the first thing that popped in my mind is like you know somebody got stolen. Yeah, I, would, I, I like the idea of the traffic thing. It, it just I think to, in for me like maybe it made, needed to be a little bit more humanized. Like I like the. The idea about the traffic with the lot with the waiting in line for a ride, mm-hmm. uh, and you could maybe say something about you know, uh, took me an hour and a half to go 14 feet. You know, something that's like very true. Um, you can see it. Like I, you know, that was the other thing. Or or uh, what else about traffic? A road rage incident with you know, um, 
I mean, Goofy threw Pinocchio into a wood chipper, or you know, right, I don't right. know. Like, there's some, yeah. you know, there's some putting the characters in out of the ordinary thing. You could have or, line rage, you know, where one, yeah, we had an incident of line rage where somebody, one parent acted out against another parent, right, yeah, right. There, I think there's lots of opportunities. What I like about this joke specifically is the the premise is so strong yeah. and so clear mm-hmm. that you can rotate those three lines in and out until you find the three killer ones that mm-hmm. you want. But there's really endless possibilities with you know the hist- Disney's been around since what the f- early thirties or late thirties yeah. or something is that right? Yeah. Since they opened those parks, so you've got all of that time to reference. Plus you've got multiple locations. Yeah. You actually could could do a bit about you know in China you know they wherever yeah. they have the other Disney's. Oh yeah, you know true. what I mean. Euro Disney. And Euro the, Disney, yeah. yeah. So uh, they'd fix the French Disney, but uh, gave up. <laughs> yeah, and then and then also there was like an outbreak of measles or something recently at one mm. of the Disney parks. So that could be part of the reason people there's a, a huge detour around whatever because right. the spot of the big measles. When spill. I was thinking about too, like when you see a traffic report, they always have to work in their weird sponsor. They're like, "There's an accident with injuries and blah blah blah." <laughs> a head literally just rolled from that Fiat. You can get 4.9 financing <laughs> on a new cocktail Dodge or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brought to you to work in an awkward <laughs> snack pack or juice box. No, that's a know, great idea. Do you uh, have advertising? Brought to you by Fred's funeral. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll know. make it really a total misdirection. <laughs> make it a really dark yeah. advertising. This is all we could get, you know, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Steve, I think those are great ideas. Uh, yeah, if you want to go with sponsors, I mean, that would just be the one. amount of money it costs to go to Disney, maybe yeah. the one of the sponsors, you know, that's loan true. officer or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Do you need a home equity line of credit? <laughs> right. <laughs> just to afford the the drink here? Yeah, which is, it's, it's, Getting up close to a joke I'm working on, so I don't want to like <laughs> spill over into it. No, it's funny though. But I, it's, like, like, I like the idea of having an announcement break in or something too. Like he was talking about uh, the the one thing, but like you could say like we I just been handed we found a wallet and like we're keeping it. You know, right, right. It's just like they're not even they're not looking for the owner. They or the other it. thing that they do with the um, especially on the radio uh, traffic reports is they try to have their little personal moment before they go into yeah. the traffic report. Yeah. Yeah. Like here in Nashville, I listen to Lightning 100 a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say the guy's name, but they spend about four minutes talking to him, and then they do the one second of traffic in yeah. Nashville. Everything's fine. Yeah. yeah. Everything so you looks could, like it's flowing good like normal, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, so you can start like the bit with, it'd be great if they had traffic reports. That's right, Judy, and your dress looks great. Hey, out there on the interstates, yeah. you know, oh, just God, whatever little quick comment. so yeah. angry. Uh, but there's lots of good stuff in there, Steve. I yeah. think keep working it out. And I think the other thing that uh, is sort of maybe something we're all saying is like uh, the most important thing is to hit that announcement part like an announcer and be super confident with that part. Right. You know, the, in the in the voice of uh, we sort of all skipped over the like the, you guys are really good at that voice. Well, but in that same vein, a lot of the traffic reports now that it's more personality driven and not announcer voice driven. That's true. You know, yeah, they're they're helicopter pilots who got to job. I yes. mean, that's we, yeah. we had a guy when I grew up, Captain Tag, and he was like a 90-year-old Vietnam vet, you know, or <laughs> World War, all wars, you know. Captain Tag! You know. <laughs> what was the old KRP where Les Nesman would do the traffic copter and he would just beat his yeah. chest? Yeah. Out there it's on the really bad out there. <laughs> I swore I thought turkeys could fly. Yeah. Cool, Steve. Thanks for sending that in. If you guys want to check out Steve on the internet, look up Steve Heil. It's H-E-Y-L. He's got clips on YouTube, including this one, which you can see in action. And if you've got an idea for him, shoot it to Steve at Steve Heil. It's H-E-Y-L dot com. Thanks, Steve. All right. We're going to get into our topic today, which is producing your own DVD. And I want to make this clear. It's not 
somebody's going to foot the bill for you to come in and perform <laughs> on the stage, and all you got to do is walk in with your one hour all worked out. Uh, Johnny is putting together the entire thing. I mean, from picking the venue to finding the money for it. So let me ask you, Johnny, when when did you first come to the realization that you needed a new DVD and and kind of why you wanted to have it in the, in the first place? You know, a lot of people are happy just putting up YouTube clips yeah. to keep people current, but yeah. having that product. Yeah, for me, part of it's the, the market that I'm in. Uh, you know, I do shows. I do a lot of shows uh, at churches and corporate events, and so sometimes people just want to take a piece of what they just saw home. So it's a way to kind of, uh, you know, supplement my income in that way. Uh, to me, I just, I grew up watching comedy DVDs and watching the newest whatever, the newest prior, the newest Carlin, the newest, uh, you know, Brian Regan. And so it just is part of, it's part of my DNA that when you get a new hour that you really love, you put it, you put it down somewhere. And, um, so it definitely is a risk, you know. I was telling you guys before we started that, like, there was a recent interview with uh, Leno, and he talked about like he doesn't do specials, he doesn't understand the mentality behind specials because it's basically you're burning that material that you can never go to again. Uh, but I mean, I guess it's easy for him to say with his fleet of cars, <laughs> Tonight Show Millions. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think there's different uh, philosophies on it for sure. But for me, I just I think it's a snapshot of where your show is, and I've been doing this uh, a little over eight years now, and I just think. The thing, the product that I have now is more of a demo. I have a little thirty-minute special that we kind of recorded in in conjunction with another comic special. He's let me come do my special in front of his crowd, and uh, it's been great. It's really served me well. But now I look at that as something that doesn't really necessarily fit what my show is now. If you were to take a snapshot, that was in two thousand twelve. Right. So now it's time to go forward and, and show what what I have now. So. And you know, on top of what. You know, the opposite of what Leno's saying, because he had the exposure of the Tonight Show, he had exposure. Yeah. Having a, a standalone DVD project that people can see when you're not in their town, yeah. that fans of you at the show will pass off to their buddies and say, hey, I just saw this guy, got his DVD, you got to check it out. You are giving, uh, you're amplifying your ability to be in more than one place at one time, yeah. which Leno doesn't need, you know. He right. was, he was in everywhere. one place yeah. <laughs> for a long time on the Tonight Show, yeah. and everybody knows who he is. Yeah. But... You're going to reach new people who haven't seen you as well as get a little souvenir of the people that just saw you. Right. And it's plus, I mean, I guess we can get into this down the pike a little bit in the interview, but besides just selling them at your shows, I mean, you, you probably have an opportunity to put them into maybe Lifeway or, uh -huh. or some of those places. And then have you thought of, or researched the whole Netflix yeah, kind of I mean, deal too? Yeah, we are, that. we're researching that now, actually. And uh, I don't... It's so interesting. Netflix is such a weird. It's like a brave new world. It's all. It's it's almost like a record deal where it, you can't really talk about it as one thing because everybody gets the deal that they get. So it's all about your advance on Netflix because the pay per click that you get for Netflix is pretty laughable. It's like pennies. It's like streaming, like Spotify. Yeah, and so what you try to do if you're going to do a Netflix special or an exclusive, you try to get it a, a, a nice advance up front. So then they're going to promote it more because they're trying to essentially make back their advance. So, uh, but I mean, gosh, that's nowhere near the world I'm in. You know, I'm not even, I've not really gone down that path where I'm just looking for my next Fallon appearance or Netflix specials or right, right. Know, beat, but I'm gonna, I've kind of chosen a different path. So the market that I'm in, like to even say DVD is almost a thing that's going away. That's another point yeah. I was going to bring yeah. up is like, you know, you're putting a lot of, you're going to have the video, which will translate it digitally anywhere, Whatever, yeah. right. but the physical product is not as in demand. And even 
you know, I just rented a car this past week and they didn't have a CD player in it anymore. Yeah. And it had Pandora and, and some stuff available mm-hmm. on the screen. So, and I'm getting ready to release a CD, so I'm going to minimize probably how many I purchase physically. Right, up front, yeah. But the digital aspect of it will still be as Yeah, and this will be, that's the thing too. We'll, we'll make it available on my website. The other one that I have is also available in HD on that in my platform where it's, it's, a down, it's available as a download. And this will be that way too. But, you know, it, it just kind of, that's still the lingo when you say, well, I'm going to tape my special. Well, people still say tape, and it's not tape. <laughs> right. You know, I'm going to a taping. You know, it's a recording. I still go to talkies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you kids. Yeah, uh, with your man buns and yeah. your talkies. <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, it, top the, the, buns. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Top Thank buns. You. The top knot. Well, top we know, <laughs> but like we know, it's all changing. But it, depending on what market you're in, people still want that moment. Like especially at the show, that's where I'll sell ninety percent of the DVDs. Is at the show, and then people want something for you to sign, or they want whatever. So. It's like a vote of yes, we like you. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it's oh, a tip. It just goes at home and just sits there. It's uh-huh. like we like you. Here, it's really just take a tip. Our money. Like, yeah. I've, yeah, I've had guys come up and buy stuff, and like I'll probably never listen to. It. I'm gonna give this to my buddy. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I just want to give you ten more bucks. Right. You know. Well, and it's something too. Like now I'll have an hour that's that I can pull clips from to put on the YouTube channel. All that stuff. So it's all a marketing decision too. So I was gonna say I think the the difference for people when you say something like DVD or I'm going to record a CD is sort of the level of thought and production behind it. That that now shall be different than things that are that I just re- happen to have a video of from uh, a performance at a club right. or uh, somewhere yeah. else and threw it on there. This is going to be something I present to you. Yeah. Like that's a right. different thought process. It's like, oh, this is going to make sense. Like, you know what I mean? I, it, you know, yeah. it'll have some production behind it. That mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a, a finessed piece of art as opposed to just a clip of something that happened that I grabbed with the video. Right. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about that for a second. So, you know, a year ago or so when you started mm-hmm. kind of thinking, I need to get this together. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got the office next to me so I can kind of see a little bit of the mental process, but for the people that can't look we at can your hear walls. It sometimes. Yeah. No. <laughs> so you kind of almost storyboard with, with yeah. cards or envelopes, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, just kind of names of jokes and you kind of move them around. Right. Uh, when did you feel like okay i've got what i think is an hour because you probably haven't done the hour exactly as you're going to do it in the special yet even right but you're putting 20 minutes here and 10 minutes or five Mm -hmm. minutes yeah there's still a lot from the the older stuff that i'll do and so now that'll be the process this month uh leading up to this month and a half is uh the shows that i have now i'm gonna try to do a few of them I'm going to try to do straight through just to see, like, okay, make sure these all interlock the way that they should. Hmm. Uh, and then I'm getting out on strong points that, that all of the, the great A laughs aren't just front-loaded into one section. Um, that I, That's part of it for me. Um, and then I go back and forth between a musical thing and a straight stand-up or something that's really offbeat. So i got to make sure that those feel right so that one chunk of the show just doesn't feel like I've derailed it into this weird world. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's important to me. So, um, but honestly, a lot of your show does feel like you—you you put the audience in a really good like s- the mind of a skeptic, mm-hmm. but also the mind of a wordsmith. Like I, I like your show for that reason because it's like people without the strong punchlines. People yeah. like Johnny's really rough on these people yeah. or this topic right. or whatever. But the way you flip it around at the end, the audience is pretty much off balance the entire show. I think, which is what yeah. you want. Yeah, you have to uh, listen very closely. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've always wanted. I, I think some of my f- favorite comics are ones that have, uh, they can say something 
and you never are like, you're always like, well, they they don't mean that. You never have to go like, I wonder if this guy's really like, there's, there's a likability that's either you have or you don't. And so for whatever reason, I've been able to, I think, get away with more something that might be construed as mean-spirited or cynical from another person. So I'm grateful for that. But, I mean, obviously it's something I, I think about in the writing process. I'm like, okay, is this beyond the pale even for me? <laughs> and I think about it. Uh, or if I do it a few times, I'm like, well, it worked there. But, man, this didn't work here, so I need to re- rethink this. Huh. But all that's going into the process going forward, too, because when you think of it as a piece versus this whole uh, tapestry of the whole with all your jokes jammed in, you have to think about, like I have several jokes where I referenced uh you know, pod or I reference whatever, but and and they may I may do that in a twenty minute set. I may do one of those, but then if I have four of those, if I do those in an hour, it's still like, man, this guy talks a lot about pot. Right. You know what I'm saying, which uh, actually I was surprised when I saw your fuller <coughs> show. Yeah, uh, what, back in October yeah. or last year or yeah. forever. I'm like, I would never bring up the topic of marijuana <laughs> in the church, but it's like it's people are legalizing. It's in the news. Yeah. But I just, I was like, okay, it's kind of a brave move for a yeah. I mean, I, obviously, kind of I don't talk about it in the, in the in the light of somebody who smokes weed. But I just, I, it's it, there's a there's a there's an intrinsic humor to it because I think it's this weird uh, forbidden thing for us to even like approach the subject of. So it made me want to talk about right. it in the in the way that I, I like in the that. places that I was at. But uh, but four of those people, yeah, yeah, it's like okay, enough is enough, or it just not doesn't hit as hard uh-huh. uh, the fourth time either. That's the real danger. So. Um, yeah, but all that stuff comes into the mindset. One of the, the reasons to talk about the why of, of setting a, of doing a taping for me was I am a guy who needs a deadline to really uh, to, to kind of trick myself into being creative. Absolutely. And so, um, for instance, I'm getting ready to do a, a show this weekend. I'm doing a court, uh, or a fundraiser event for like an African mission project, and then I'm going straight into a weekend of I'm doing four weekend services for a church where I'll mix comedy and a message. Then I'll do a ticketed event at that same church Sunday night. So four weekends wow. at, at one event. And so that's the thing that if I try to wrap my mind around, like, well, you just don't take that show. But what I do is I say yes, and, and then, then make I make myself fit my act into that. How do I, how am I going to pull this off? Uh-huh. Figure it out. And yeah. so the same thing with the taping. It, when I put a deadline on it, well, now it's time to pull this together, and it's November 14th, and so here you go. So it's that's part of it. Um, for me, that, that helps me. And where do you feel it. you're at now? Like, do you, minute, let's just say minute-wise, let's forget about the flow, but just... Yeah. Do you think you've got an hour? Yeah. You got that? Yeah, I mean, I think I have. The, the, the shows that I'm doing now that are stuff that will all be on the, the show at least. Or I think I probably have at least like 70, 72 minutes, you know, <sighs> of, of stuff that I think is solid and is going to be in it. And um, and there's always the weird thing of the late stragglers that are like, man, that's really good, but is it going to be ready in time? Or am right. I, I going to kick myself for putting this on? Because now when I go to do the next thing, I'll be like, well, now that's a really polished thing. Yeah, you it's turn a one-minute thing into yeah. five. Yep. That's the hard part is to know what of those. Like, uh, there's one music bit that I wrote that's really quick, quick hit thing that we did at a show that we did together. And I knew when I wrote it, I think I told you that week, I said, this will be yeah, yeah. on the show. I knew that it was already. and uh, But that's very rare. Usually you're like, you're going to be kicking yourself if you put something that's a month old <laughs> right. on your taping, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the safety thing was to be to include it in the show. Yeah. You can always take it out right afterwards if you want if you don't feel it. That's one thing for me else. too is I have a very my style is very. Uh, sometimes I even talk over laughs. I have very some afterthoughts that I throw in. That's just been part of my style. And now even as I've gotten more confident, it started out just as a weird tick, 
because I was almost afraid of the silence. Now, I do have a lot of silence in my show where I'm waiting and I know where the laughs are, but I still have some little afterthoughts that I throw in that almost would kind of almost half step on the laugh. That's just part of my rhythm. But because of that, I'm having to think that way for the edits. Like if I want to pull this out, am I giving myself enough room to pull it out? So I'm uh -huh. having to write in, as I storyboard the show, I'm having to write in like, make sure you take a breath here in case it doesn't hit as hard as you want so that we can yank it. There'll be things like that. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second because I know <laughs> recording an audio CD of a live show, uh, I didn't mind maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I was working you know, the week or two before that, I'm like, you know what, if each of these jokes had to be on their own, mm -hmm. I need to make sure the premise isn't a rambling premise that's piggybacking off the previous joke. Take a breath and state the premise. So if I need to edit and bring that sucker right in, mm -hmm. it's going to make sense and not kind of leave yeah. you guessing. Like speaking of, you know, <laughs> how's he speaking of that? He never spoke of that before. <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 really that's where the craftsmanship of not the joke but the show itself. You know, the material, which you sound like you've got in pretty good shape now has to fit together so now mm -hmm. you're putting it together like a puzzle to make sure that it pops mm -hmm. make sure you're not hitting the same kind of joke too often or the same kind of technique too many times in a row yeah those kinds of things and then getting that down enough to where you can rehearse it several times to where you've you're linking those things together in your memory yeah uh lots of different little things go into a, you know dvd even has more to it than a cd obviously yeah. because you've got the visual element of editing and all that yeah um now let's talk about this most Unlike the Brian Regan special that we saw a little yeah. while back, this is going to be a multiple show mm -hmm. taping, which almost all DVDs are, if not two, three shows mm -hmm. on one night, so yeah. you can kind of edit together the best flow. Yeah. So what what do you have in the process that way to help help you recreate the show similarly two times back to back, yeah. but also leaving some room for some fun? Because you know the audience, audience dynamic is going to be different from the early show, which is right. like, what, 5 o'clock? 5 o'clock and 8 o'clock, yeah. So very different audience dynamic and probably age range too. Mm -hmm. So laughs are going to be hitting in different spots. Will you make notes after the first show, like, I need to really kill this <laughs> joke the next show or else it's not going to be in the special? That, that's my thought process is that's how it's going to be. This will be a first for me of uh, doing that. I mean, I've done two shows before uh, a couple times, but... I made sure to build in that time where we could go back on a dry erase board and be like, and I'll have a few people that really know the show and they'll be taking notes God, for me. That would be an awesome, I just had a thought, that would be an awesome middle break in the yeah. show if you went if you went backstage and did like a coaching session with a whiteboard, <laughs> yeah. and, and you know you had some older like coach or something being yeah. like, you Wellington, know, Listen, I told we're you cutting the end the, around. Yeah, we're cutting you the pie Spider thing. Banana X Y. Yeah. yeah, we thought about that for Marty's actually. Uh, you yeah. know, Marty's DVD's got the whole coaching angle. Uh, my friend Marty Simpson, and so I told him that I was like, you should do a thing where at the end, as the credits roll, you're doing a press conference. And you're trying to answer questions like, did you think that that joke was going to end harder than did, be honest, or whatever, yeah. you know? Well, you know, you play to win, but it's yeah. whatever. You can't get them all. <laughs> but then that, that spawned the idea of you needed a half, you need a halftime show in your show. In the where show, yeah. Somehow, somebody else comes out to talk about it and runs like weird clips right, that's funny. of it and like analyzes it with the pen on the thing. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Like, But I'll definitely have a moment like that where if, we, if I fumble the premise or because right. we know we only have one other chance now to get it, um, then I'm going to try not to be inside my head too much. That's the really hard part is comedy is about confidence and being relaxed. So that's not in my nature. 
<laughs> I'm going to be a little bit amped inside. And so I have a very low energy show, but I'm a high energy, like inside I'm anxious. and Full whatever. of turmoil. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you can't show that. That's, that. that's not funny to people. So if I know that I have to hit something hard, if I've missed it the first, it will be hard not to just really overemphasize. Right. What, so it'll be, that'll be interesting. But I'm definitely going to leave room to do the, the dry erase board and let's make sure we hit this. You forgot this. You fumbled that. Whatever. Yeah, so. I like that. That's cool. Now, you've got those things to think about as well as just being relaxed and doing the performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to fund this whole thing. So t- tell me a little bit about how you're going about. You don't have to give numbers on how much things cost. Yeah. If you don't want to, that's fine. But kind of give people an idea of, a, let's, let's start here, A, of picking the venue. Yeah. Because all of us could find a place to do it for free yeah. and save a ton of money there, but is it going to look like a DVD taping? Yeah. So what process did you go through? And like, I'm going to start here and see if I can get to this point, and I'll settle for this, but nothing below this. Like, what was your process on Yeah, venue? I went through all that because we, because of the market that I'm in, there's like... There's places where I could have done it for free, or it's Nashville, so everybody knows a sound engineer, everybody knows a big camera guy that could have done X, Y, Z. Or some venues I do are big churches. They're like, we'll just give you your footage, and we'll mic the crowd, and we'll see what we come up with. And I could have gone that route. Uh, and I even spoke with like TBN and some other folks there, and they were interested. And I just never felt right about it. And uh, I fell into the the venue that that we we came up with because uh, uh, my buddy Nate Brigazzi did a a show there and I never even had heard of it like I knew there was an old theater in, in Franklin on the square but they had remodeled it and they'd done all this work yeah. on it. it's one of those like 1930s right old theaters that got ran down and they were showing old run movies in it and then they went bankrupt and then when they brought it back all the rich folks in Franklin like sponsored a seat or whatever how you crazy. do yeah so they put all this money in because they're like if we reopen this as a theater only we're just gonna be broke again in six months it's not a good business model it's a failed yeah. business model so let's make this a uh, a place to do concerts too so they put in state our sound system they redid everything the lighting it's unbelievable so I saw those photos of Nate's performance there that he just did a show there he wasn't doing a taping there and it got me intrigued like what size is this room because I was looking for a room that I could thought I could maybe fill up twice I knew I was going to try to do two tapes two taping so well, he said it was like 300 seats I said this is perfect um, so then we went and looked at it and I had another place that we were looking at that was a, a church that's a really non-traditional I didn't want it to look I didn't want you to pan out to the audience and see pews that was the thing <laughs> right. I just didn't want it to feel like stained glass like oh this guy's one of those church comedians he's going to do 15 minutes on communion wafers like I don't really consider myself that kind of a, a comic even though I work a lot of church market so um, but I, so when I saw the theater I just fell in love with it but it's not cheap uh, and as far as like sharing the numbers, like I'm doing an Indiegogo campaign uh, to raise to just offset part of the cost, uh, and uh, basically it's going to be it'll be around fifteen thousand by the time it's all done. I'm trying to raise about ten of that. I'm trying to offset about ten of that with an Indiegogo campaign, and really that's twofold. One is it's it's a way to uh, to kind of pre-sell the project mm-hmm. to people. That's really how I saw it. Was people can partner with me that believe in my comedy that love. What I do or liked my past work, I can say, well, this is going to be out. Would would you want to pre-order this? And that would I'm not having to front all the money myself. So I didn't really see it as like this won't happen. If <laughs> right. You don't. That was probably the hardest part about doing crowdfunding from my angle is the show is on the books. Like it's the tickets are available. It's going to happen. So it's hard for me to be like, if you don't help, this <laughs> right. won't be. So I don't really have the same sense of urgency. But I thought for the people who were interested in what I do. You know, if you give anything to my crowdfunding, like even $5, you'll get an HD download of the event. 
I'm going to be part of something that's great. I'm, I'm, part of, I'm yeah, in for cool. that. Yeah. I'm so, in for five. Yeah, we'll have You're in for five. That. I'm in for five. And the Ten. second thing was, to be honest with you, because uh, I know he's not listening to this, I wanted <laughs> the video guy that I hired to be on a deadline. And when you do crowdfunding, you have to promise to deliver yeah. the product. And I just have worked with enough uh, tech professionals that they just get it to you when they can get it to you. So right. that's, that's Rick that's works with me, and yeah. he knows that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, and comedians are the most flaky people in the world. So it's not that. I mean, we're the flakiest. But but I will say, like the tech people, sometimes you go, "Hey, I need this," and they're like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. But when you say, "Well, we signed this thing, and we have people are waiting on this, they right. have paid into this," so really, that was part of my. That's reasoning. smart. That's, I hadn't thought about that. And you know, you threw those numbers out. But I think people should know that you got some people to give you some good deals. Yeah, absolutely. For those numbers to even be where oh, they're at yeah, there. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. Unbelievable. It. Yeah, and uh, well, part of the, the AV, uh, the, the team that I'm using to video it are, uh, are friends of mine long. They've been with you friends. since the very beginning. They've been doing video projects with me forever, like short things that we do and little promos. And, and uh, so it was a great, actually a really cool thing to be able to now go, I want you to do something for real. Right. Now give me the friend price. That also won't put me at the bottom of your list, list of yes. things to do. Yeah, still yeah. makes so, it a good yeah. deal for Let's you. Find the balance. So that's what we came up with. So that's I'm good. happy with it, and they're happy with it. So that's good. Yeah. And just a quick takeaway for everybody listening is, is: no matter what point in your career, be thinking about the people that you'll need to network with down the road, and be finding ways to offer them some value between now mm-hmm. and then, so that when you have an ask or a favor to ask, yep. that they are more apt to listen to it and, and be on board. Yeah. You know, Johnny did a lot of free shows at his church to raise money and all kinds of things, and, and so some of the people that are helping him out now have seen that entire process, and they're vested in what he's doing because. Yeah, I remember we did a show in Knoxville, and didn't you bring a video guy out there? That was a long time ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, he was already paying guys to come hang out and, and run yeah. some stuff for him on the side. So those guys are still in the mix yeah. today. So pretty cool. So they got the budget, and so you've got the money regardless of whether the crowdfunding – Let's pretend you don't. We need you guys to chip in. <laughs> but, well, I but, will say this. It's going to happen. It's either going to go on my credit card. <laughs> right. Up front. <laughs> or, or it's going to go uh, 5 $10 at a time from people that want to see the special when it's done or yeah. want to come and be there in person. Obviously, I'll raise a little bit of money from ticketing the event. I'm ticketing the actual taping for $10 a seat. So I'll raise a little bit that way. That'll probably help offset the rental cost of the mm-hmm. theater, which right. is a lot. So, um, Let's talk about how you, if I understand the first show, mm-hmm. there was part of a fundraising a side fundraiser kind of like to help you sell those tickets early? Yeah, we did. We actually took the 5 o'clock show and uh, my manager had the idea because he works with, his son goes to a, a prep school in Franklin uh, uh, south of Nashville and said, hey, uh, they do these fundraisers. They actually did a fundraiser with some jazz artist or something in that theater the year before and hmm. filled up Why'd you shake your head sideways when you said jazz artist? Yeah, well, look, I just... They're no less of an artist than stand-up. I was trying to remember exactly what it was, but I think he was a jazz artist. But anyway, so they fill up. It was just a way to put their donors in the seats, you know, something like that where it's a school fundraiser. Like, the money's there. The event is just this this thing that they do to facilitate the donors being there. Right. So he said, well, I wonder what they would think about a comedy show. So he pitched it to them, the idea of them offsetting some of the cost and basically buying out that first show and then they turn around and sell those seats to their donors for whatever. So they're selling like the rows for X amount. Hmm. So that show's not being ticketed through me. That show's being ticketed through the school and they're filling up. So that was just a, like, like a weird, but that's so clever creative. way, like, yeah, creative way that my manager had to like, how can we get this full twice? Well, what about this? So some of the money will come from that uh, just because of that creative idea. Now we hope that they that it works out and they fill the seats and that it's the right people. That's the hard thing. One thing that will be good to me is 
I like my chances if it's a crowd that's never seen my show before anyway. Right. Uh, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I hope it's not a lot of old people or I hope it's not this. I really don't have that kind of show. I, I, I have broad topics that I cover, and I just don't have the – I have, a, obviously, a wheelhouse like every comic, but I'm not scared to death of it being the wrong crowd. I'm more scared of empty seats, you know, at this well, point. Well, yeah. that can be a concern. Like with somebody else selling those seats, I know from fundraisers, we'll, we'll buy tickets to things but not show up because mm-hmm. we've given the 10 bucks or whatever to the school and they've got yeah. it. So are you looking at maybe having uh, selling some tickets anyway yourself? Just yeah, like I had uh, just get, I had a hundred hard tickets printed up just because I knew there were new friends and whatever that would be you know we're going to come. But I do every time I even sell one to them, I'm like even if it's my brother, I'm like you can't flake out. Right, it'll be an empty seat. Right, like don't just do this because you love me. Like, yeah, don't give me ten dollars and take one of these. This is a seat you're taking away. So I try to make sure that people understand that part of it is that like I need you even more than I need the money. Right, right. I need the people in the room laughing. So yeah, we did. I did print up some hard tickets for the eight o'clock show that we've been selling off. And uh, I was like, going to talk to you about that today if you wanted me to give you some of those for your friends, family, because I know you're coming out. You're actually going to open the show for me, which is really cool. I was going to ask you how you picked your brilliant openers. Well, what happens is <laughs> uh, I, th- oh <laughs> I put pictures of people that I admire and respect on the wall. And I and once they all say I no, start throwing darts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, okay. right. Then once we work through that list, no, we can definitely talk about. I'll help you move a few tickets. I think. But um, it's just curious, like you don't want that first show to be sold money-wise, yeah. but the bodies not be there. Mm-hmm. And then are you going to have a, 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 I don't know what they call them, but uh, somebody seat the front row with the beautiful people? How is that going to work out? I don't know about that because I don't plan on doing a ton of... I'm available. Uh, oh, that's good. I really appreciate that, <laughs> yeah. To bring your wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, can yeah. sit in the car. <laughs> I don't... Uh, well, first of all, it's Franklin, so come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you're going to find the beautiful Nashville people, that's where they all live. <laughs> I'm not really super worried about it because uh, part of this is working with uh, Tim Hawkins and, and it's kind of his last few projects. They have kind of philosophy that they have about DVDs and one of them is they're not big on uh, response shots, reaction shots. They'll do one or two maybe to establish that, that this is not there. being canned right. yeah. or they'll do a shot up and it'll be over the backs of people's heads that kind of establish that this is a room. Uh, I call that the MST3K shot, Mr. Yes. Science Theater shot, where you see the shadow of a head. And you're like, okay, this is for real. Right. Uh, but this idea that every time I do a joke, we've got to show uh, a lady laughing at it to show that, okay, he's not misogynist. He's right. a lady <laughs> like that one. I don't like that, really. I don't, I don't necessarily care But you that. may want a few of those for, like, if you've got to scratch your nose or you cough right, or you, you sneeze. You need a couple of things. Right. Or just so, for continuity. If, mm-hmm. if you blend the second show into the first somehow, there might need to be a little... Right, so we'll have it. We'll have people shooting those, but as far as like how many I'll use in the edit, I'm not super worried about it. Now, what we will do is, let's say some family shows up, and sometimes I've done events where kids are, all know each other and they want to sit together on the front row and not with their family or something. Like sometimes, now we don't have a lot of young kids coming to the show. I think we're limiting it to like 11 and up or something, like to try to maybe make sure it's not going to be that. But that's the only scenario where I would intervene. But to answer your question about do I have somebody kind of facilitating that? Yeah, that's another friend of mine, Marty Simpson. He did his DVD, and uh, uh, he, uh, my manager told me who was there at the taping. He said, Marty was so great at like getting like all these sample laughs and getting people to relax and moving people around that he needed to move. And and I was like, okay, well, I'll see if Marty's willing to do that for me. And he was, and so that's cool. That's, that's a good... Uh, hmm. So um, we're going to do that for both shows to where we get kind of the little clap and start the start the audio tracks and make sure we're synced up and make sure everything's working. You have to have all that because if it's just a 
they need to know that it's more than just a show. Right. But then once it starts, it needs to just be a show. Yeah. But you got to make sure you get all that out of the way. Otherwise, I'm having to handle it some way or they're having to stop and restart. So it's important to have both things. It's important mm-hmm. to have the guy that's kind of doing the weird housekeeping, technical stuff. And then it's important to have a solid opener in my mind to do, you know, you're probably going to do 15, 20 to get them like they're ready. I'm thinking 30 eight, so I can have my DVD hot, fully do funded. Hot, do a hot 30, Rick, and uh, uh, you know, cut to me backstage and be like, what is he doing? I think if I could do two 20s, I could just about do some uh, <laughs> some behind-the-scenes stuff and make my DVD. If you could just yeah. do some of my material, that would be even better. That's, just like weave in. Well, you know, it's, what's funny is I'm, I, I need to start thinking about what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, um, and so I am kind of thinking like, you know, what video clips do I already have that are out that I'm happy with and what do I not mm-hmm. have that I want to make sure this is a good opportunity for, but also what's a good fit for the show. Yeah. And Well, that's another reason I picked you is because I knew that that's where you're at right now. You're like, you're gearing up for a, another project. I was like, well, this will be good video for Rick. And uh, you've been a cool mentor to me and a good friend. You know, someone like Marty, who Marty and I are close, but... Marty just put out a project, and so he's, he's you know what I'm saying? So I was like, well. His belly's wanna, full. Right, so I want to involve him, and I was like, would you be willing to even do that? Like, I felt bad asking because he's so funny in his own right, but he's like, no, this is great. I want to do it. So, yeah, yeah it's good to have friends. That's Hope awesome. So everything's coming up. You've you've been a part of the taping. You've, you've seen some of your buddies like Marty do their taping. Um, so who, who are you trusting the video? We got the video of your buddies that you've been with you, but mm-hmm. the audio is a, another animal that yeah. the video guy could take care of, but mm-hmm. you've got some mm-hmm. extra help there. Yeah, we obviously normally you would just let one production team do it all, but uh, um, there's just a guy that I, I love so much. It's the guy that is creative director for Tim Hawkins, who I travel with a lot, and so and I just love what he's done with their work. I feel like he's got the best ears. I think comedy is a whole different thing when you're mixing it than any other thing. Uh, music. For example, you want to sound as close to perfect. I mean, there's there's styles of rock where there's a grittiness to uh-huh. it, and I think. Uh, but now with pop music, you hear it, it's like so perfect. It's like computerized almost. Right. It's generated, and uh, people like me and you that are older were like, uh, they took the soul right out of it. Well, that's what happens now. Sometimes when you hear a comedy recording, and they've put it through a million filters, and you're like, wow, that dropped off way too hard, or this uh-huh. feels fake, or I think yeah. I just heard that laugh a second ago, and. Um, I, you know, when I'm listening to XM, I have XM now. When you listen to XM, sometimes you'll hear a clip. I want it to be just, I want to be able to hear the guy clearly who's talking on stage and also know for sure that there is a live crowd there. Even if I'm hearing a glass clink or a fork drop or yeah, whatever. Yeah, somebody got coughing in the back yeah, or repeating that, the punchline. For line. some reason, that registers as a, uh, a genuineness comes across there rather than being like, this hack, like... It's the opposite of what it would be in pop music, right? You know, it so, gives it patina. And, yeah, and there there is a weird audible tension because I know exactly what you're talking about. Like when you're driving along and you hear that XM clip or whatever, and you're like, "Oh, this guy's in front of the state." Like you can hear, mm-hmm. you can hear it. And it's like, yeah, you know, his life's on the line. Like with every joke that he's telling, as opposed to some of those things where you're like, uh, he could be by, by himself in a studio doing this, and they just added him later. You can tell he's in the room. What's funny too is like a, a couple of clips. I know where the guy was when they recorded it, and mm-hmm. I can actually hear that room. Yeah. Like I know oh, that stage yeah. intimately, wow. and I can tell almost where he is on the stage and, and where that person is that's laughing, what table Jeez. that number. That's another at. thing that went into my decision making of picking the Franklin Theater. Is I knew a couple of people who had done comedy there, like uh-huh. Nate, and then uh, I, another friend, John Christ, had done an event there. And I was like, "Is it a lot?" I asked him if it was a live room. 
because it's really kind of a a, a cannon barrel kind of a right layout. old it's theater not, so it's, it's got the theater. high ceiling it's got a higher ceiling and it's got uh just one row so it's basically not the the single it's not three sections you know on the wing so it's just but for me that's perfect because uh-huh. i don't move around a lot um the stage is pretty big but i just don't move around a lot so I, to me it's okay to somebody else that's like a total act-out comic that uses every bit of the stage, like they may want somebody to the left and the right that they can play off to. That's right. not necessarily my style, but um, a lot went into that, and I wanted to make sure it was a live room, and I asked opinions of you, like, okay, because, I mean, you, it is, you're plunking a lot of money into right. that You that can't guess. fix that in post. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. But, yeah, so the audio was the most important to me uh, because of the, 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 the idea that, you know, XM, all that stuff, you know, that's another supplement to the income, you know, the way it sounds. But more than that, I just it matters to me, and you want somebody that knows how to mix comedy, and, and it's such a different animal, and uh, dealing with ambience and and the placement of mics and all the things, and how to filter it, but not too much. Take out the good, leave you know, take out the bad, leave the good. I mean, it's just so there's so many nuances to it, and you want somebody. It's almost like a producer, a record producer. You want them to be able to hear what other people can't hear, what's wrong, or what could uh-huh. be, and uh, it's, it's a talent, just like comedy's a talent. And do you plan on? Uh do you know from your past one with the audio guy that you'll be wearing a lav as well as the handheld so it'll have two sources? Yeah, we talked about it as a backup. His fear was the the video, he didn't want there to be this uh, appearance of a lav. So uh-huh. I don't know how we'll approach that, but I wanted that just for my own sanity. About, right. Do we have a backup? His thing is, because I actually had a conversation with him a couple of days ago, his thing was I'm I'm in headphones the whole time, and if anything drops, like, I'll know. Yeah, and just uh, go back and get it. And we'll go get it. Um, so there's always the chance that you have to stop this flow of the show. That's the hard part. But he, he felt like it's not that big of a risk. And the bigger risk of having the lob and have that be a weird show. Like, we're in a show now. I don't know. To me, it doesn't bother me. Right. Because I, I have that kind of a show where I want them to know we're doing a comedy show. I'm not that guy that's, like, trying to trick you into thinking I'm not doing stand-up, but I'm really doing stand-up. Right. That's never been really my show. Like, I'm telling jokes. Right. These are jokes. Yeah. So um, these aren't like stories about my kids or they're, they're jokes. I'm telling you jokes. Now, there are stories we've been, but I like the idea of let's get dressed up and go to a show. That's how I grew up watching comedy. I like the right. idea of the big spectacle of it. So a lot of Mike doesn't bother me, but for some reason he's just like, yeah, but then you're going to have that clipped on. And if it doesn't blend with your shirt well, I'm like, I don't care. I want the security of it. <laughs> yeah. So we're still arguing back and forth. Well, about let me it. know because that'll, that'll impact what I wear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it will. Right. Because yeah. I have to wear a, a buttoned up shirt if I'm going to be able to slide a lob in there. Yeah, it's true. Realistically. Yeah. Now, um, not for me, but I'm just curious. <laughs> have you? <laughs> now, something becoming very self serving. Well, yeah. I'm just going to throw this out there because the. The, the only DVD taping I did was my Bananas DVD taping, mm. which was, I don't even know how many years ago that was. And we're just talking like, we hope we don't get sick. I had full-blown bronchitis when yeah. I t- took tape that thing. I'd been up since 5 in the morning and didn't sleep the night before. and It was just crazy scenario. But uh, I, I was ready to go as best I could, you know, hit my Sudafed and my coffee 30 minutes before I was mm. ready to head out there. And she said, let's go into makeup. And I'm like, makeup? Yeah, right. Are you having a makeup person? I didn't have for when I did the first little thing because it was just, it was literally thrown together. Uh, I was brought in to do uh, a few minutes on someone else's project to get clips of me because they were going to begin managing me. They were like, we don't have any good, great clips of you. So we got all these great mics set up and all these great cameras and this great crowd. Come do 15 minutes. Well, my 15 minutes 
at the end of his show, got a standing ovation. So they brought me back to do 10 minutes the next night, 10 minutes the next night. Now we have this 35-minute project. We put it out as a DVD. That's what I've had so far. It was literally such a, an afterthought to just get him out on stage and do it. I just never thought about it. Like, let, let's pancake number 15. Right, 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 you know, right. Ladies, let's go. Uh, like, even what, I wo- even what I wear, like, I just don't think of that uh-huh. kind of thing as important. But this one, it's more important to me because I still... Uh, I still do some youth events, so I don't I, those dark circles. Really. <laughs> right, just fix the dark circles. That's right, all right. I care about. You know, concealer. There will be some just right? from there will be some just for men involved, and there will be some dark circle uh, <laughs> eye goop, uh, and then the rest will be me. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and I actually told my wife that the other day. I was like, I need to do some shows and maybe a photo shoot, and like make sure that I'm okay. Uh-huh. How this looks, yeah. Because even like Marty's uh, DVD, I've seen Marty so many times live, and I know him uh, in real life as a friend and all that. And I, so he put on some like they put on some eye makeup that made his eyes pop more when he would do a facial expression. It was like a darkening on his lashes or something. It was so jarring to me the first time I saw it. Oh, really? Because I was like, whoa, Marty's got makeup on, and uh, I want to make sure that I'm okay with how it looks. Uh-huh. Before I just go, let's wear makeup for the first time ever. Yeah. This thing I spent fifteen thousand <laughs> dollars right. on, you know, because if I hate it, it's like, well, you're not fixing yeah. that, you know. Right. So it's it's a concern. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm forty one, so I, mean, one of my I best... look every bit of forty one uh, under under my eyes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's something about comedy that makes the under eyes <laughs> just that's just that's go first. Like, the baggage we carry yeah. is mostly this one under little. Half I'm okay with looking older. I'm okay with looking what I look. I just don't want to look tired right. because my act is low energy. But I feel like it, I want it to be smart and like clever and, and move along. Well, quickly. I, I ask mainly because I'm, I mean a high digital 1080p or whatever yeah, we're at at this point. Right. I mean it's going to show everything, mm-hmm. so a little makeup can go a long way. Yeah. Uh, I actually know one of my old neighbors from where I used to live. Her husband does a lot of country music and stuff, and she's the makeup person for Luke Bryan and stuff. So yeah. if she can make that guy look good, that's right. <laughs> they will on. give her a holler. <laughs> she's, she lives right down there in Franklin. So yeah, definitely. So if you're looking for a person, we can at least throw yeah. her a phone call and see if she's interested sure. or available or whatever. But yeah. something to think about. And then lastly, you know, we've covered a lot of stuff here. You know that the day of, mm-hmm. I mean, you just know that some things are going to be like mm-hmm. <sighs> moments. And it sounds like you've troubleshot a lot with the sound and yeah. the, the filling the seats. You got the whiteboard in between shows to catch what you missed. But is there anything that worries you still? Like it's some things are just out of your control. I mean, yeah. it's November fourteenth. Like cycling in your head. <laughs> well, I mean, for one thing, the the weather should be okay. Yeah. But we could get an early storm of some kind. So what's the go-to plan in case it's hard We're to get about out that to freak night? Him out. No, I'm just thinking, like, what I'm saying is if you can run through those now yeah. and just be prepared for them, yeah. then it's not going to be as big of a surprise that day and yeah. as big of a psych yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I've thought about that. I mean, obviously, I'm always afraid of getting sick or I'm always afraid of the things that I can't control. Like, uh, I, I told you this earlier today. I was like, I'm probably going to get a zit that's so big, like, has its own personality <laughs> right. from the stress of it, you know. Yeah. And, Which uh, made me think of the Reagan thing where he has the hair growing straight yeah, out of his right. forehead. That'll, that'll happen. How come nobody told me? Yeah, there'll be some tweezing. There'll be some, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's it's that thing of I'm always I'm always waiting. I'm always looking for something to go wrong. That's my nature anyway. I'm looking for something to go wrong. So the minute we, the minute I hand it off, for instance, the 5 o'clock show, I hand that off to somebody, which is not my nature. Uh, I'm a, kind of a control freak. So I'm like, okay, fill this room with people that I don't know for a school that I don't know, and let's do that. Well, now I'm like, 
well, what are these ex- people's expectations? Uh-huh. If they're used to being like these donors that are frou-frou, whatever, are they going to want to just like be scurried out of the room while I get the 8 o'clock people in? Or are they going to want to linger and have hors d'oeuvres and all that? Like, I have to make sure uh, that, I, yeah. that I'm ready for that. So that's one of my fears is that people aren't going to understand this is not just about your thing. So that's one thing I have. Obviously, just having flat spots in the show where they're not normally flat spots. Like, if, if something that I'm doing doesn't hit hard at least one of those two times where it normally hits hard, that will probably bum me out. I'll be like, man, we had a uh-huh. – this was it, you know? So, and uh, that's that's a fear, you know. You do it – I don't really – I'm not really going to do anything that I haven't done enough times to know that it's A, mm-hmm. that it's that it's a really dependable laugh. Um, uh, or I wouldn't be – I would just wait. I would just put it off six more months until I knew that I had the time. I knew <laughs> I had the time uh, in, in it to do it. But, man, yeah, you're always kind of worried. Like, what if it's a flat crowd? What if yeah. it's a little bit pensive? What if they're just polite? Right. You know, everybody's had that worry. They're not bad. They're not good. They're just polite. And you're just like, man. Now, I want you guys to go crazy. Yeah. I think Marty will get him in a good spot. There you go. There I know go. Marty's going to get him. Well, with you opening, Rick, come on. Let's we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the one thing I know, and this is what I tell uh, people when they hire me, because, you know, they've got their idea of what it's going to be like, and I've got my idea, and I haven't mm-hmm. even been to the state yet. That I just always tell them, like, hey, we're both have done everything we can to make this a successful event. The one thing I know is it's going to be slightly different than both of us in mm-hmm. vision, even though we were close to the same vision. And there's, there's going to be things that happen that are just different than you thought. And same thing for me. The, the thing is, it's the event. Yeah. And that's what events are. There's something that happens. And we can't yeah. plan it all or else it's something that's not interesting at all. So yeah. be prepared to go with the flow. I will be too. And we'll just have a good time with it and rock it out. <laughs> You know? I can't wait to go see this. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, the, the thing is to me is like I have to remind myself to relax. And that the real thing is, truthfully, is it's such a cool honor to be able to do this at all for right. a living. And then to go, well, now I'll get to go do this and people are going to come out. And it's crazy when you sit back and think about it. And so to find a dark thing to even think of, to find a negative. I want you to ride the positive all yeah. the way into this. Well, yeah, and, and expect, to. expect a little. There'll be some obstacles and right. some friction, it's but like, that's part of the fun of it. How do well, we Well, and even the risk, even the risk is part of the fun because, uh-huh. like, if you had the same crowd and you knew that it was going to be great every night, like, that's not why we do comedy. We do it because, like, I thought this, I thought of this on the way to the venue, and I bet you're going to think it's funny too. Yeah. And when you put it out there and it works, that rush is why you do comedy. Right. The risk is part of that. So I'm risking money this time, I'm risking a lot, and now I'm doing this in front of my hometown crowd, in essence. Yeah. That have supported me, and when I was selling CDs out of the trunk of my car, et cetera, et cetera, and see me in open mics, bomb sometimes, do well other times, and grow. <laughs> now there's there's all that all culminating in this one night. So yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing. I could just go. I could have just gone and done this in some weird state, you know, where people just that don't know me or whatever. I could have done that, and people have people have done that with uh-huh. success. But I just thought I want to do it in Nashville. You know, this is where no extra pressure. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. There's no entertainment coming out of this town, is there? Nobody now, that can be compared to. <laughs> are you going to be like the home team and put yourself up in a hotel close to the venue the night before, so you don't have any of your normal day distractions? And that's you a can good. Just... That's a good point. That's a Seinfeld thing too, right? He, I think he said when he did Madison Square Garden uh, the first time, or every time that he ever does it, he gets a hotel because he said, "I don't like feeling. I like I like feeling like the the away. Uh-huh. I want to get to have that edge. Get your of, game face. You know, walking in like." It's kill or die, uh, and if you if you get too comfortable, yeah. Uh, so he tries to get out of his pattern to answer that part. Right, of the right. He tries to throw himself off, but he throws himself into 
to game mode. Yeah. Like he's on the road. That's right. Yeah, get, that's how he does it. Yeah, that. get out of the home pattern. So that may that may be something I do. I haven't really thought about it. It'd be something else I could spend money on. My wife will be happy with that. Oh, you're going to go get a $200 hotel room? Well, and, good for you. And for Marty as well. That's right. Right? It's totally separate room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe a joining door, but that's you don't want right. to be sleeping in the same place with that dude. <laughs> I agree. Cool. Well, I can pick your brain a lot more than I will off the air, but I, I wanted to kind of run through the cycle of planning the event so people that are on the edge of maybe thinking about this can think about some of the the different points you brought up that maybe they haven't thought about and as always if you're out there listening and you maybe i know we've got people who listen that have done dvds and stuff Mm -hmm. if you've got some tips that we're not covering or some ideas or anything shoot them to us at school of laughs at gmail.com if you want to find out more about johnny w's show if you're going to be local enough to come to it uh, where's a good place for them to find out about the event uh, My itself? website, you can get tickets on the calendar link on my website, johnnywjonnieiew.com. And there actually is a link there to go to the Indiegogo crowdfunding page, too. So if you're not in the area but you want to pre-order it, make a little kick in some shekels and uh, get a copy of it when it comes out. I, we're expecting a February release date on the download. So, uh, yeah, you can see it before anybody else sees it. Perfect. Cool. And I'm sure I'll pump it up closer to the date, too. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, sure. I'm looking forward. Thanks for having me on the bill. It's yeah, going to be fun to have my three-hour DVD. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, just be ready to go on any time. <laughs> and uh, we'll see how it goes. Thanks, Johnny. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.